0: Well, we're back again in Proverbs uh, chapter three, and uh, let's go ahead and read uh, the text beginning in verse one. We're going to concentrate again on verses six through eight uh, or five through eight. Um, So let's read. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand it, that you would strengthen us to obey it, and that all of this would be done for the honor and glory of your name. Father, please, Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're now in verse 6. Just a quick review of verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Uh, There's two walls to lean on. The wall that is God or the wall that is you or someone else. And um, I think we've spent enough time dealing with the fact that the Lord in His Word has proven himself true time and time again. Also, by looking in the mirror, we know that we do not have the wisdom nor the strength to make it through this life in a manner that will glorify God. We need God's wisdom and God's strength. So we lean upon him. We lean upon the knowledge of his word. We lean upon the manifestation of his grace in prayer. We trust in him. Now, in verse six, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, what does it mean? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, I want to read something to you. I spent a little time kind of trying to think about this and putting it in a way that we could uh, not only understand it, but apply it to our lives. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The command to acknowledge him is literally to know him in all your ways. Know him, know his character, know his will in the matter at hand. Obey him, seek his fellowship and seek his aid in carrying out the matter. So in everything that you're confronted with, everything in life, know God. Be a person who has studied the word of God to know who God is, be a person who has studied the will of God in the scriptures to know what God desires, be a person who prays and has an intimate relationship with God. Consult God in the matter and pray for God's grace and strength to carry out. The wisdom he has given you in his power. Now, I want to say something here I think that is is pretty important. I I talk to my children about this. Uh, There's a little bit of atheist in all of us, uh, even in believers. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Um, I've often said that that we walk through our day sometimes like practical atheists. We make decisions without consulting God. Uh, We do things without relying on God's power. Um, We live in a way that would suggest that God doesn't even exist. Now, just stop for a moment and think about it. Think about yesterday, or the day before yesterday, or the, the practice of your life. How much time during the day are you doing things consciously? Honoring God, thinking about God, Uh, applying God's word and asking for his power to carry out his word. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, there was a lot of talk about a quiet time. Have you had your quiet time with the Lord? And there is certainly nothing wrong with that, of having a set time of meeting with the Lord. But in some ways, the practice came to be, I met my half an hour. It's almost as like, I hate to say it this way, but you pulled God out of the closet You met with him for half an hour, you put him back in the closet, and then you lived the rest of the day as though he had no part of it. But acknowledging the Lord in all our ways is literally acknowledging who he is, understanding who he is through the work, and communing with him, and fellowshipping with him, and doing everything we do conscientiously thinking about the application of his word and drawing upon his power. Now, he says, in all your ways, acknowledge him in everything. And young person, there's something that I want you to learn. As a matter of fact, maybe this is I just ought to repeat this a hundred times and then close the session. For the Christian, there is no secular and sacred. Religious people have often divided up Christianity into um, you know, there's part of your life that's religious or sacred, and, and God has to do with that. But then the other part of your life is secular. It's something you just you live without God. Uh, as a young person, you may think, you know, for example, going to church is sacred. Uh, going fishing is secular or going to or praying or reading the word is is sacred, but having fun with your friends is secular. Here's what you need to understand. As a Christian, there is nothing secular in your life. There is nothing to be done apart from God. Or in other words, everything you do as a Christian is sacred. If I'm praying, if I'm reading the word, if I'm fasting, It's sacred. If I go to church, it's sacred. If I'm uh, going on a walk in the park with my four year old daughter, it's sacred. If uh, a friend of mine's just done something really, really funny and I'm laughing so hard that I'm laying on the ground, it's sacred. If I'm uh, studying Greek, it's sacred. If I'm lifting weights with my friends, it's sacred. Our relationships are sacred. I like to say it this way, even the pots and pans in our house are sacred. You know, Paul said, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, I mean, even in the most minute and seemingly insignificant details of life, we're to glorify God and we're to acknowledge him in every area of our lives. I've said here, there is no area of your life that he is unconcerned with. Isn't that amazing? There is no area of your life that He's unconcerned with. Now, I don't want to to trivialize our relationship with God. I don't. I don't want to say something here that's superficial and funny. But you know, even when my daughter wanted my uh, my thirteen year old wanted a dog last year, we we talked about it. I told her to pray about it. I told her to ask God. You know to give her the kind of dog she needed to have and and everything else. And, and again, I don't want to trivialize the holy. But what I want you to see is that God is involved in absolutely everything. And he is concerned with every detail of our life, not just our service. You know, I want to be a servant of God and I want to work really hard um, And I am a servant. Doulos in Greek, a slave. But I'm more than that. So are you. And the son. And just like, you know, my little daughter and I, we went walking. She likes to walk by this creek. And we went down by the creek yesterday and she loves to play in it. You know, I'd rather kayak rapids, but we're standing there in a creek that is six inches deep. Um, it's not necessarily something that. I would do by myself, but because she's there and because I love her, it's of great concern to me. And it is of great fun to me to be in the creek with her because of her. God is concerned about every aspect of your life, and that's why you shouldn't think I'm going to go over here and do something that's apart from God. There's no area of your life. Here I go. Here I go yawning again. <laughs> there is no area of your life that he is unconcerned with. But also there's no area of your life in which the Lord is to be shut out. Do you hear me? You stay over there, God. I'm going to go do this. And that's what I was talking about with the quiet time. And You should have a quiet time, a time that you spend alone with the Lord. But don't think it's like, OK, I did my 30 minutes. Now I go off and I just live. No, the reason why you have a quiet time is so that you can strengthen that communion that should last throughout the day. You see that now there's no area of your life that he's unconcerned with. There's no area of your life in which the Lord is to be shut out of. There is no area in which you can say, I got this. I don't need your help. Did you hear me say that there's no area of your life where you can say, Lord, I got this. I don't need your help. You need his help to breathe. You can't breathe apart from him. You can't put even the atheist cannot put two rational thoughts together. And come to a conclusion apart from him. Do you understand me? I used to tell young preachers, I used to tell them. You know, you can't preach without the power of God. Now I tell them you can't tie your shoes without the power of God. And one of the most dangerous things you can do, young person, and I've seen people do this. I've heard people say, you know, yeah, I have my problems uh, with certain sins, but I don't have a problem with that sin. Boy, don't ever say that. If you don't have a problem with a certain thing, you could quickly have a problem with that thing. You can be nothing and you can do nothing and you can guard yourself from nothing apart from the grace of God. You need God in everything. In everything. So, positively, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your strength. And I desire your fellowship. I want to walk with you through this. Now, negatively, this is not, we don't have a negative in the scriptures, but it's understood. Positively, in all your ways, acknowledge him. negatively, and listen to this language, do not pass by him. Do not pass over him. Do not omit Him. Do not ignore Him. Do not fail to consult Him. Do you understand that? In all your ways acknowledge Him, which means don't leave Him out. Don't leave Him out. Um, A great um, illustration of this in the Scripture. We have several actually, but I want to choose a few. In Joshua 9.14, So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask the counsel of the Lord. Gibeonites knew that God had given Israel the promised land. And so they came to make a pact with Israel and they met with Joshua and they pretended to be something they weren't. And Joshua believed them. They were deceiving. They 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 pretended like they came from a long, long way away and they. They made they brought old and old bread and their sand, their sandals looked wore out. So Joshua and the elders, they just assumed, well, these people are telling the truth. They've come from a long way and they want to be a part of the people of God. And it says specifically, so the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. And what happened was they found out very quickly they were deceived. Now, Joshua was called upon to do great battles in the name of the Lord, in which he had to consult him constantly. Maybe he thought this is just a little matter. This is just a little matter. I really don't need the Lord's wisdom. I can figure this out myself. Uh, No, that's not true. That's not true. Little matters I have discovered also in my own life. Little matters can turn into very big matters. When you don't consult the Lord in Isaiah 8, 19 and 20. Go ahead and turn there. Isaiah 8. Verse 19 and 20. This is a very important text and it's often overlooked. A lot of people, when I read it to them, they go, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living to the law and to the testimony? If they do not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. You know, so often, not just Christians, but the preachers and and down through history, this has been the case. um, will consult unbelievers with regard to spiritual, personal matters and will not consult God. One of the things that you have to see is the whole science of of psychology was actually invented as a contrary discipline to, to Christianity in the scriptures. And we see today in the church, we see it in people's personal lives, we see it everywhere, that philosophies that were created by men, many of these philosophies that were actually created in enmity or antagonism to Christianity are being brought into the church and people are consulting these things instead of consulting the Word of God. Now, of course, you know, we're talking about medical science and different things like this, true science and, and the blessings God has given through these things. Of course, we want to consult that. But, but there are so many worldly, anti-biblical ideas and opinions and dispositions being brought into the church and we do not consult God instead of consulting His Word. Or we'll see a pastor that spends most of his time teaching psychology and not teaching the Word of God. Or we take some theory of, of marketing or something and they bring it into the church in order to try to make the church grow. Or they bring in some principle of of, uh, sociology in order to restructure the church. All these things are wrong. Listen to what he says. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, they don't have a clear word. They don't have a mutable word. Their theories are always changing. Or they they don't have an immutable word. It's just always changing. Should not a people consult their God? When when you have a problem with your brother and sister, should you not consult God? God, what should I do in light of this? What does your word say? When when you have a disagreement with your parents, Lord, what what do you say that I should do? When you're as you get older and, and you're confronted by other things, who do you go to? Do you, do you, listen listen to me. Something else, young person. It's good to go to your pastor. You know how much I've talked about how we need the church, the local church, and we need godly elders. But before you go to the pastor, get in the word so that when you go talk to the pastor, you can say, I, I think I've discovered this in the word. Is this is this historical Christianity? Is this is this biblical? Learn to study the word for yourself and consult the Lord with regard to the things in your life and the decisions that you have to make now. Now. Here's something very, very important. Um, if you're going to inquire of the Lord, Lord, what should I do? Then be prepared to obey. You know, there's a thing that uh, pastors kind of say among themselves, and it's this. When people are seeking for counsel, primarily they're seeking for a pastor who will tell them that what they've already decided to do is right. And if they go for counsel and the pastor tells them something contrary to what they want to do, they just go find another pastor. Be very careful of that. Now, I'm not saying what the pastors decide is always right, but but what I'm saying is. If you really say that you want to consult the Lord, then consult him through the scriptures, through wise counsel. But when it is clear that the, the will of God is pointing in a certain direction, then don't go the other direction. Don't explain it away. And, and in, in all my years of ministry, I have seen this so often that people come to me only wanting me to affirm what they've already decided to do. And if I don't affirm it, they go find somebody else who will. We must be devoted to Scripture and be willing to go the route that God has laid out in his word. And, and there's a, a, a really good illustration. We won't go there, but it's in Jeremiah 42. Uh, there, there was a remnant left in in Jerusalem and and they consulted Jeremiah and they basically said, Jeremiah, find out what does God want us to do? We'll do whatever God says, you know, we we've we've been taken over We're left is a small remnant. We're suffering. We've learned our lesson. Just consult God. And when God tells you, you tell us and we'll do what God says. So Jeremiah goes and he consults God and God says, don't go to Egypt. Stay where you are and I'll take care of you. Now, where they were was devastated by war and famine and all kinds of other things. And they thought, no, 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 no no way. So they consulted God. God said, don't go to Egypt. And what did they do? They went to Egypt. So if you're going to consult God, if you're going to uh, acknowledge Him and ask His will then also be prepared to obey it. Be prepared to obey it. All right, well, uh, we're going to draw this study to a close and we will come back and we will look in verse 7 and make it to verse 8 and bring this to a close. Uh, God bless you. It's been a great uh, pleasure for me to be with you today. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.